behind the much-talked-about cost shift in healthcare. The June Vermont Business Magazine explains that it's largely about supplies and demand. And Medicare expansion. Read about this past year's high hopes, uncertain results, and possible next steps. All this, plus the Rutland County Economic Report, is in the June Vermont Business Magazine. For a subscription, call 802-863-8038 or go to vermontbiz.com. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents The Mark Johnson Show. Thank you, Jim Condy. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to get right down to business here this morning, and we will, of course, welcome your phone calls. Let me give you the number right off the bat here, 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. That voice uh, that you just uh, throat you just heard clearing was uh, Governor Shumlin joining us here live in our studios this morning, making the uh, big announcement yesterday that he will not seek a fourth term coming up uh, a year from November. And he's uh, kind enough to join us here this morning. Good morning. Great to be with you, Mark. I love your show. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, me I'm too. I'm going to be on it every day after uh, January of 17. Okay. All right. Maybe, you know, maybe that could be your next. <laughs> we'll, do it. we'll make it the, the Mark and Peter show. Well, maybe that could be your next profession. There you go. Any interest in that? Well... I, I think you're very good at this, and I'd be really bad at it, so okay. let's leave it to you. All right, and I'd probably be a pretty lousy governor, too. I don't know. Well, I think we should give that some thought. Everybody else is. All right, th this decision I don't think is totally surprising everybody, but the timing, I think, is just kind of blowing people away. Why and make this announcement 18 months ahead of time? Well, you know, I, I read that in one of the press clips today that Eric Davis, I believe, said, well, this is really, you know, if you go back and look, uh, and then he said, Dean did it in August, and, uh, and uh, Douglas did it in August. And I just want to point out that August is five weeks away. This is when governors make these decisions. Oh, come on. This is very early for you to make it, this decision. We, every time you've been asked about this? Well, if you're not going to run. I mean, if you're not going to run, you have an obligation to tell folks so that both parties have an opportunity to field candidates and run campaigns. I mean, let's not forget, a year from August is the primary. So the reason that Dean Douglas and myself all did it in the same time period, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about six weeks ahead of them. Uh, is because of that fact. Okay, so you don't see this timing being early or unusual in any way? In no way at all. Just look at the record. All right, well, let's look at the record. I mean, Governor Kunin did it about nine months ahead of time. So where's your theory there? I don't know, but I can tell you that... Uh, so you're just going to select the ones that work for your theory? Well, I'm just telling you, the ones that I've seen, that I've been a part of, which have been Dean and Douglas, have both done it about the same time frame I did within about five weeks. And the reason that we do that is that, you know, once you make the decision, you have an obligation to tell Vermonters what your intentions are. Is this because elections last longer? Is that an influence here? I think there's no question that elections are more complicated than they were when Governor Kunin ran in respect that you have to raise a lot more money. And, uh, you know, money raising is a, is a big job. I have not raised a cent since the last election because I always thought that six years was the right amount of time to be governor. I thought, as often happens in life, that, you know, as the time drew closer to make the, you know, to, to figure this out, uh, that my attitude might change, that my feelings might change, that I'd see reasons why it was really important to do another term. It just never happened. So I felt I had an obligation to tell Vermonters, now we can focus on the work we've got left to do, and there's a lot left to do. Let's remember, we're only five months into a two-year term, and I now have the luxury, along with my extraordinary team, of getting things done without people always asking, you know, is are they doing this because they want to get reelected? We've got a lot 
more good work to do, and I'm looking forward to doing it. Why do you believe that six years is the right amount of time? I've, uh, my own observation is that uh, I have never seen a governor get a lot done in their last term in Vermont when they choose to go longer. Let's remember, going longer is a new phenomenon. Uh, most governors in Vermont history served first two years, then occasionally four. Six was a long time. The only governors in recent memory that have gone more than six years are Governor Snelling, the first time he was governor, Governor Dean and Governor Douglas. I just feel like you come in, you know, the way I govern anyway, uh, you get a lot done. We threw a lot of balls in the air. We've accomplished a tremendous amount. And uh, then you should get out of the way. And, you know, other governors obviously have felt differently about that. I don't. I've always thought that six years was a good amount of time to serve, perfect amount to get it, to get the job done, and and that had that position and where that where I say that view hasn't changed. So, if your popularity were a lot higher, you'd gotten say single payer through, you'd you'd be happy to walk away. Absolutely, and you know, in terms of popularity, you have to realize. I think everyone who runs for governor and wins and has the privilege of serving this job recognizes that every time you make a decision. Uh, you make some folks mad and some people are happy. It's not like, you know, being in Congress or, you know, some of these longer term political jobs. Your shelf life isn't forever. But popularity goes up and down. I am convinced that if I had chosen to seek a fourth term, I don't want a fourth term. I've always had close races. I'm a fighter. When I go out and try to do something, uh, I win. And that's been my history. Now, if not often by big margins, uh, but we win. And uh, frankly, I just... Uh, you know, didn't have the fire in my belly to do a fourth term because I felt like we've accomplished what we set out to do in the first place. I've never wanted to be a career politician, go to Washington and serve in Congress or in the U.S. Senate, all the other options that I know other public figures consider. Uh, I'm a business person first. I'm a Vermonter. I have no desire to live in Washington, D.C. I really saw this, Mark, as an opportunity to give back to the state that has given me so much. And it's a lot. I love the state more than anything. I love being governor. But at the end of this term, I will have done what I accomplished, what, what I set out to do in almost every case. I'm talking with Governor Peter Shumlin. You can join us at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. You just mentioned that if you had run, you thought you would win. I mean, you're a competitive person. Do you really want to go out with the last election, having this narrow win over Scott Milne be the way that you go out? No to be honest, but that's the wrong reason to run. And I had that conversation with Katie and my daughters and my closest family, and I said, you know, the only reason I can think of running is I think we'd win big. It's a presidential year. Democrats do well in presidential years, and I think a lot of Vermonters appreciate some of the progress we've made since since uh, the last election. The last election was a really tough one for every Democrat in America across the, the country. Some really great governors that I really admire lost. Others barely won. Uh, so it was a really tough year. This year is going to be different. Uh, it's a presidential year uh, in Vermont. Senator Leahy's on the ballot. There are a lot of folks that are going to be excited about a lot of things going on in the state. And I think it's a Democratic year. So, you know, bottom line is uh, that's the wrong reason to run for governor. You say you have no interest in Washington, D.C. Why? I've just never wanted to live there. I like going to bed in Vermont. I, you know, I'm the first governor in a long time that was born and raised in this state. I don't feel at home when I'm not in Vermont. How do you avoid the lame duck problem? I uh, don't buy into the lame duck theory. <laughs> Listen, this is not, the, in Vermont, we sometimes act as if this is something unusual. 
Most governors in America have two four-year terms. The first four years, they work hard and everything they do is questioned because they're running for re-election. Then they get four full years without running for office, raising money, doing other things that make voters, frankly, suspicious of their motives. So I think we have the luxury now, and I'm incredibly proud of my team. I think I've put together as good a team as Vermont's ever seen. Cabinet, commissioners, secretaries, the rest. Uh, But we now have an opportunity to complete the work we've done. And to do it without people saying, oh, you're just trying to make the governor look good. You're trying to make your boss look good. We've got a lot to do. We've got to get it done. I want to make this economy work for every single Vermonter. That's why I ran in the first place. And we've got to, we're not going to say mission accomplished till we get it done a year from January. What do you want to get done on health care reform before you wrap up? Three things. First, the exchange has got to work. I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to deliver on what the exchange intended to do, I wish had done, and will do. Second, we've got to move. You know, one of my biggest disappointments is that we didn't get publicly financed health care. We didn't move from premiums to a publicly financed system where Vermonters have health care just because they're a Vermonter. One of the challenges that I faced is that we're spending so much on health care that whether it's driven by premiums or public financing, we're spending so much money that every number looks astronomical and it's very tough to change from the system we're in. So I'm determined with Algo Bay, the Green Mountain Health Care Board, with President Obama to move from a system that reimburses our providers for quantity of care. We're now, we're now chasing quantity in health care and throwing money at it faster than we can earn it, which is one of the things that's hurting affordability and for Vermonters, to one where we reimburse for outcomes quality. And I'm really convinced that we can put that path on the path of success for this entire state before we're done in January 17th. You said a couple of minutes ago that you didn't have the fire in your belly for a fourth term. How come? Because I feel like, listen, I I set out to do very specific things. I came to this job and I was very clear about what I wanted to do. Let's just talk for a second about what they were. I wanted to make this economy work for every single Vermonter. When I came in, Vermont had lost 10,000 jobs since 2008. I came in in 2011. We've created 16,000 jobs, 7,000 in the last uh, year. We have the lowest, fourth lowest unemployment rate in America. We're making progress. But we've still got to do more to make this economy work for everyone. So what did I promise? Internet access to every last mile of Vermont. We have delivered on that or have a funded plan for every single address except a handful that I can show you on one hand. Energy. Climate change, our biggest challenge. I said we're going to build out renewables with a rational exuberance. We have ten times the number of solar panels than when I became governor, either up or sighted, and we're going to be building out wind and really moving Vermont in the right energy direction, putting money in Vermonters' pockets, going green clean. Third, education. I said we can't succeed as a state if every kid doesn't have a strong start. We're the first state in America that's got universal pre-K for three- and four-year-olds. You can now get two free years of college in Vermont if you play your cards right. And we've just passed a bill that's going to right-size or integrate our, our education enterprise. That's a huge bill so that we actually have a system that taxpayers can afford. Fourth, I should say fifth, transportation. When I came in, half of our bridges, literally half, were structurally deficient. We've cut that from 18% structurally deficient. We've cut the number in half from 18% to 7%. On pavement, we've gone from 36% deficient to 13%. That was 14 numbers, so we're making more progress. On healthcare, we're making great efforts to contain costs. We've cut our uninsured rate in half in this state, and uh, we're going to move from fee-for-service to outcomes-based payments, I firmly believe. On criminal justice, 
you remember the controversy? I said, you elect me governor. <clears throat> we're going to change the way we, we're going to reform our criminal justice system. Change the way we deal with addiction. Stop locking up nonviolent offenders who are addicted and need health care, not jail. And save Vermonters money by not spending 56 grand a year locking up folks who need recovery. We've done it. You ask Commissioner Polito. We've drastically reduced our incarceration rates. We have the most aggressive and thoughtful opiate addiction programs going in the country. We've got more work to do, but I'm proud of that. Seventh, I mean eighth, and finally, we've done some things that the rest of the nation hasn't dared to do. We have raised the minimum wage. We have GMO labeling starting next July so that Vermonters will know what's in their food. And we have death with dignity. So those are some of the things that I set out to help make Vermont's economy work for every single Vermonter. I feel by January 17, we've got more work to do, we'll be there. If you'd gone forward with the single-payer plan in this legislative <clears throat> session, wouldn't you want to have served another term to get that to fruition? Yes, if I could have gotten the full single-payer, that would have been a reason to run for a fourth term to, to implement it. But listen, I mean, let's, let's look at the record here. You know, I pulled the plug on single payer because it was going to start out first three years at a 16% payroll tax, then drop to an 11, and you're going to see an income tax of 9.5% to just to match this money we're spending now. And I don't think very many Vermonters thought I could or should get that through the legislature. I've heard the press clips folks say, oh, you know, the governor d deserted single payer financing. You know, I did, I tried that as hard as, I did the research, the work on that more than any governor in America or frankly any public official. And I saw that there was no way that I could actually implement that piece of it as long as we're spending like we are. You know, not one single legislator, I believe, said, oh, the governor's wrong about this. He's done all the work. I'm going to introduce a bill to pass it. In other words, everyone understood that we weren't going to get those kind of taxes through the legislature. I mean, my God, I couldn't get through a seven-tenths of one percent payroll tax to start finally reimbursing our Medicaid providers at a rate that they deserve. So, you know, we all know that that was a disappointment, but... In, but I am convinced that if we can contain costs so that health care isn't gobbling up our incomes faster than we can earn it. When you talk about affordability for Vermonters, there's two things driving in this state. Property taxes, education spending is rising faster than we can, can keep up, and health care costs. If we're the first state to get those two things under control, particularly health care costs, huge win for all of us. And that's what I'm determined to get done before I'm done. When did you actually decide you didn't want to run? You know, Mark, I know... I know you don't believe me, but I really have always thought that six years was the right amount of time. And I said that to a number of people that I'm close to right at the beginning. Uh, I thought maybe it would change. It hasn't. So it wasn't like there was this grand decision. I really thought, wow, you're going to see lots of reasons when you get to your third term why you should do a fourth. It just never happened. All right. So basically election night, you said this is going to be my last term? It's significant. I always thought I'd serve three terms in my head. It's significant that I haven't raised a penny. You know, last year at this time, I would raise a couple hundred thousand bucks. You got to raise money to stay in office in this state. That's just mm -hmm. the reality. So, you know, that's pretty indicative of the decision I made a long time ago. Okay. It sure didn't sound like that last week when I ran into you down at Red Hand Cafe. I suggested that maybe three terms might be enough. And you said, whoa, getting way ahead of yourself there. Well, in fairness, maybe a fourth uh, might be a good idea. Huh? Yeah, in fairness, you didn't hear me say I was running for a fourth term at the Red Hand in our conversation. And, you know, governors like to make these announcements when they think the time is right, and I wasn't going to signal it to anyone. But, you know, I, I, I'll never forget going over the Rutland Herald uh, when I was in my at the end of my first term when we were talking about one of 
one of them asked me, uh, I think it was David Motes, uh, do you su- why do you support a two-year term? You're the first governor in a long time that supported a two-year term. What's wrong with you, basically, was his question, you know, because most Vermonters, if you pull it, support a four-year term. And I said, David, I've always thought that six years, I think it was most, but it was the whole editorial board. But I said, listen, I've always thought that the four-year term uh, is, the six-year term makes a lot of sense. It's hard to get a six-year term without twos. When I left, my staff said, you can't say that to the press anymore. They're going to know you're only running for three terms. So I stopped saying it. Okay. All right. So we all just missed the hint there. <laughs> Let's uh, go to Sheldon. Ruth, good morning. Good morning. Governor, I saw you signing the Death with Dignity bill. Yes. And you said, now Vermonters have another choice for end-of-life care. Mm-hmm. And my question is, will the Vermont Health Department, the Green Mountain Care Board, physicians, and other health care professionals be obligated to inform people about this choice? I hope so. Uh, I think that bill is one of the great accomplishments uh, for Vermonters in terms of having the peace of mind that when you're terminally ill, when you're really, really sick, when you're going to potentially be feeling lots and lots of pain and just a terrible ending, that you have a choice. And that choice is yours. So I know that my commissioner, Harry Chen, is very supportive of the bill. My health commissioner, I, my team is supportive of the bill. And Let's put it this way. If you feel that we're not doing enough to let folks know what the choice is, uh, call my office, and I'd love to talk to you about how we can do more. Uh, that's, a, that's an important bill. I'm a bill. person who had to go without health care, so I'm very afraid of this bill, and I wouldn't want it to be pushed upon me. Well, so, I can, I can, And I went to a Green Mountain Care Board meeting, and they listed it as an end-of-life choice. I, I found that disturbing. Thank, well, thank you for your time. Well, thanks for your call, and I can assure you that no one in Vermont would ever push it on you. It's an option for folks who are terminally ill. You have to uh, obviously go through a process with your physician. Uh, it's a pretty thoughtful process. Not very many people are doing it, but I do think it gives uh, many Vermonters uh, peace of mind that they know if they're ever in, you know, clear clear of mind, but they're they're going to die. Uh, it gives them the option of, of controlling those last few days. I'm talking with Governor Peter Shumlin. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll-free 877-291-8255. Do you see yourself playing any role in the 2016 election? Well, I really want to elect a Democrat. I mean, I think that uh, uh, every governor feels that when you work this hard and governors work really hard and you put your heart and soul into the programs and the policies that you think are going to really help Vermont or you, you uh, that you want someone who's going to come in who's not going to undo everything you've done. So, you know, you just heard a caller who disagrees strongly with something I've done. Uh, I can give you 100 or 200 of those examples and you don't want to see your work undone. So I'm going to work very hard to, to, to have a Democrat win. Uh, you know, I looked back, Mark, and uh, it was interesting to me, the only Democrat in the history of Vermont that has won the governorship from scratch in a non-presidential year was Phil Hoff. And as you may recall, the current Republican governor's own party, half of them turned on him uh, and elected Phil Hoff uh, when John President Kennedy was very popular and Phil Hoff was a great governor. But uh, that's the only exception. Uh, All of the other Democratic governors have been elected in presidential years. You've got to look at the numbers. If you compare uh, what happened 
in the off-year numbers compared to a presidential year like when I ran against Randy Brock, it, the numbers are astronomically different in terms of who shows up. So if we have a strong Democratic candidate, which I believe we will, I think that, that, that we can break this cycle where it goes Democrat-Republican every time. What do you think of the field, what's been, the people being talked about so far? You know, uh, I'm staying clear of that. Uh, it's not my worry anymore. And uh, I'm sure that we'll have both really great candidates in both parties. And uh, it'll be a very vigorous you know, debate. I hope it doesn't start too soon. You know, I think that the beauty of Vermont is we have a two-year term. But, you know, I never started my political campaigns uh, until, you know, I, I was stubborn about it, until the Labor Day before the election. Vermonters don't want us out campaigning. They want us doing our jobs. So I would urge everybody who currently has a political job to focus on that. And Vermonters will have plenty of time to hear your ideas uh, closer to the election. We're all pretty well aware of that stubbornness on that Labor Day thing. You say it, you hope it doesn't start too soon. you got to be giving me a break here. I mean, you just, with your announcement yesterday, you just started it. Arguably well, too soon. Well, uh, if you back up to when, let's just take the last governor. Uh, governor Douglas made this decision in August uh, you know, about five or six weeks uh, away from the decision I made. And uh, if you look at it, I'll tell you my, my memory of my own entrance into the race. I don't know, I can't speak for other candidates, but I don't believe that I... I took a long time to figure out whether I'd even run for governor uh, between that August decision. And uh, I, I didn't make the decision until the end of the, the following legislative session. So I think you'll find a lot of the candidates want to have their their names out there but i don't think you're going to see uh, balloons and parades and all the rest of it too soon let's go to williston sam good morning 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 governor hey sam uh, thank you for your service thank you uh, for calling i i never voted for you but i'm going to tell you you had a lot of courage in taking on the, uh, the drug issue in the state and i want to congratulate you for that and uh, appreciate the accomplishment you made there the only thing I would ask to uh, to finish the deal is to go after the manufacturer of Oxycontin. I've spoke to several people about this. I'd like to see the state take on them for a class action lawsuit to pay for the rehabilitation of the people that are infirm with this sickness. And once again, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Well, thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the call. Uh, you know... I agree with you that if we don't look at what's really driving addiction to opiates in the last 14 years, which is FDA-approved painkillers, OxyContin, and as you know, the FDA has just approved Zohydro, which frankly is OxyContin on steroids. I mean, this is crazy stuff. You know, why don't we ask what got us into this mess? What got us into this mess is uh, we invented these painkillers. We sell them. You know, prove to the FDA, so this is legal opiates, and then we pass them out through our healthcare system with irrational exuberance. That's just the only way to describe it. Do you know that we prescribed enough Oxycontin the second year it was on the market in America to keep everybody over 18 high in this country for a month? I mean, this is crazy stuff. And, you know, Sam, my frustration is that, well, all, with all the work we're doing trying to build out treatment centers to give people you know, get folks into recovery, to get them the services that they need to get back into the job market and have a productive lives, and they fight this addiction all of their life. It, that desire never goes away. None of us have figured out a way to do prevention well. 
And you got it. You hit it on the head. The way to do prevention well is to have a really honest discussion about the way we pass out FDA-approved, government-approved painkillers and figure out a much smarter way to do it. So I'm with you. Uh, Is there another way that healthcare reform could have been done when you look back on it? Less ambitious proposal, different way to, I don't know, finance it, pitch it, whatever? The problem is that no one ever did the hard work, and it was hard work to figure out how it would work. In other words, every other industrialized country has figured this out. But when it's a state versus a country, I mean, frankly, let's be honest about this. When you're 65 years old in America, you qualify for our single-payer government-financed health care system. So it's not like we haven't figured out how to do it. The challenge we have is... We discriminate based on age on health care, I think. We say to anyone under 65, you don't qualify for our single-payer health care system. So then when a little teeny state tries to figure out how to do it, when we're so intertwined with the feds and we're spending money in all of the states faster than our incomes are going up, it's a huge challenge. So we learned a lot in our exercise on how we would pay for it, what it would take, and what we'd have to do as a small state to get there. I'm convinced that the work that we will do that we did is not wasted, was not for naught, that as we, if we can get the cost containment thing right, and we've held down hospital and doc and healthcare costs for the last three, two years in the state very successfully, but if we can really move to a system that changes the fee-for-service chasing quantity, where we're just spending money like mad without measuring quality and outcomes to this new system, I think we will eventually be able to afford and move to a publicly financed system. What you have to remember is it's not that we're spending more money with a publicly financed system. We're spending the same amount of money. But if you take the exorbitant amount we're spending in premiums right now that nobody looks at and turn it into a tax that you see, it just flips folks out. Uh, just a couple of other questions. I know I got to let you run. What, what do you miss about not being in have uh, in private life? You know, I have loved this job. I love this job every day. I'm looking forward to putting all of my energy into it until January of 17. Uh, but you know, I miss the same things in private life that anyone would miss. Uh, having a weekend off, uh, enjoying time with my girls. You know, I really frankly diminish the time I'm spending with my daughters there and both working in New York now I'm here I can't just go down there for a week and hang with them or you know all the things you want to do when they come up here I'm on the road all the time you know it gets pretty old to hang around with dad at the chicken supper for the third night in a row uh and I miss time in the woods I miss time you know hunting fishing doing all the things I love to do so I mean I'm a normal human being you know uh I'm a Vermonter and uh, I'm looking forward to when this is over and when I'm done. And this is, again, I don't want to diminish the privilege. I never thought I'd be governor of the state of Vermont. You know, I'm a kid that grew up dyslexic, uh, lousing in school. My mom and dad thought it'd be a big deal if I got a job, let alone what. It wasn't an easy ride in school. I was terrible. Uh, when I was time to go to college, you know, uh, I couldn't have gotten into almost any college in America. My grades were so bad. Uh, I ended up at the College of Basic Studies at Boston University, which was a, a two-year program that that uh, was very good for me, but it was sort of like a remedial program, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, this is my dream. I made a difference for my state. I really look forward to going back, everyone calling me Peter again, not governor, and just live in Vermont.
That is quite a quite a story, the overcoming part. I mean, where was the leap there if you were so terrible going into college? I uh, really wanted to prove that I could graduate from college and that I could do well in college. And I've always been a fighter, probably because I learned differently, you know? Uh, so, you know, when people talk about uh, what drives me, I believe that Vermont should be a place and can be a place and we've made real progress making it a place where regardless of you know how you learn what family you come from whether you were born with good luck or bad luck you got a great shot at success if you've got the ambition and i just i I think we've made a difference helping to make this state a place where everyone can succeed can you give me as honest an answer as you can on this talk to me about burnout Uh, what what's the burnout factor on a job like this uh, you, you know, it's it's hard work. If any if anyone runs for this office and doesn't think you're not going to be constantly working, you better think again. And uh, you know, some uh, governor in particular. In other words, I can see why if you wanted to go to Congress or you want to go to the U.S. Senate, it's a very not that they don't work hard. Don't get me wrong, but it's a different pace. As governor, you're making a hundred big decisions a week. And half of them you never thought you were going to be making on Monday when you've done on Friday or Saturday or Sunday. You spend your life on the phone if you're not in the office or doing the things you should be doing. Uh, so you're constantly on. And like any CEO, this is, you know, you're running a state. Uh, you've got to expect to that be your life and that you're going to work your tail off and you're going to be tired. And so, you know, I think there's a reason why the two-year term serves us well. Uh, it forces you to combine the burnout of serving in a tough like job like this with also running and raising the money and doing all the work you have to do to convince Vermonters that you should get another term, it does sort of act as a term limit, I believe. What has the press inadequately understood that you've done or that you've done? I'll talk to you about that uh, closer to January of 17. I'm looking forward to focusing on the work that's left. And, uh, you know, that's really what's going to be my focus between now and January 17. You say you want to, between now and then, make sure that the economy works for all Vermonters. So, you know, what, what can you do that you haven't done already to make that happen? It's carrying out what we've done. Listen, all the evidence suggests that if you put your resources up early, that kids get a strong start. If I would had uh, universal pre-K... I believe that I wouldn't have almost flunked out of school most of my life. I really do. I think people would have figured out there's something wrong here. This kid's learning differently, and we've got the resources and the and the ability to know what he needs. So whether it's how you learn or coming in from low-income families, you know, we're doing great in Vermont. Moving, we have the highest graduation from high school in the country, but we're failing miserably when it comes to moving students beyond high school. And I think we fail miserably with low-income kids. I really do. Or kids that learn differently like me. So by doing universal pre-K, by making sure that finances aren't in the way of moving beyond high school, by right-sizing our educational enterprise, I say the education bill I signed this week is going to be looked upon 10 years from now as what saved us from ourselves in education. Because we're going to finally move from a system that was designed for 110,000 students that currently is 78,000 and is dropping 
to one that is not only better quality because you won't have kids in little teeny micro environments where they're having options taken away from them because taxpayers can't afford to do Spanish or computers or technology or French. To one where we really look at how we work within communities in a partnership with the state to have the best quality educational system from day one to end a life. And I think we're on to it. I really do. Uh, Gary Nelson, political science professor, says you're, quote unquote, taking a break from politics and we'll come back. Yeah. You know, all I can tell you is dead wrong. I, I love this job. I really, I've never wanted to be a, a career politician. Uh, when I was served in the Senate uh, and the House for all those years, it was 16 weeks a year. My brother was good enough to bail me out of the business. Let's be honest about this for 16 weeks. And you go ask my colleagues. I'd leave there, even when I was president of the Senate, I'd leave there the last day and I wouldn't come back till the opening day the next January because I had businesses to run and work to do. And if it had been a you know, full-time commitment, I never would have done it. I did it because I loved my state and wanted to make a difference. When I ran for governor, which I, you know, I was the last one to get into the race, but I felt I could really make a difference. I said, I want to do this because the state's given me so much. I've got some changes I think would make this a better state, and then I'll get out of the way. And the press never believed me. You know, they thought, oh, he's ambitious. He wants to go to Washington. You know, he's going to go to the U.S. Senate, all this other stuff. And I'd say as many times as I could, Mark, how many times did I say in those press conferences, that's, for Pete Shumlin, that's my idea of, you know, misery. It makes sense for other people. I'm so grateful we've got Bernie Sanders and Pat Lee and Peter Welch who are willing to do that. But I would be very, very unhappy. Please don't do that to me. You know, I wouldn't do it to myself. Bottom line is, I'm thrilled that I've had this opportunity. I'm incredibly grateful to Vermonters for giving me this chance. I think we've worked together and done some really tough things. And I'm really looking forward in January 17 to going back to what I always did. you have any sense of relief today? Uh, I have a sense of relief that Vermonters know what I'm intending to do. I really do. You know, I've I felt, I'm, as I've said 16 times now, I've felt for a long time like six weeks or six years is the right amount of time to serve. Uh-huh. Not six weeks, but six <laughs> years. Uh, and uh, I'm relieved that I don't have to hide that. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for Appreciate having me. Appreciate the time. Uh, Governor Peter Shumlin joining us here live in our studios here at WDEV. We'll take a short break. We'll be back right after these important announcements. In baseball, being safe gets you on base. 